But it's good to be together, isn't it? If you don't know me, my name's Jonathan. I'm part of the leadership team here. And uh, it's my joy to speak to you this morning. Always good, isn't it? When, in a sense, the Holy Spirit in our sung worship kind of tells us a story that I get to retell now. And uh, that's always lovely to do. So we are continuing our series in Glorious, exploring the character of God, what is God like as a person, and today my subject is God is loving and kind. There we are, God is loving and kind. And I'm going to begin just by looking at uh, a short passage from the Bible in the first letter of John in the New Testament. And this is what he tells us. The one who does not love doesn't know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among, was revealed, sorry, God's love was revealed among us in this way. I think there's a mistake there. (laughs) It's all going great, isn't it? God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Amen. That's what we've been singing about. You know, when Steve first asked me to preach on this subject, I thought, great, what a great subject to be able to talk about what we've been worshipping about, the the amazing, unconditional, overwhelming, unchanging love of God. And it really is. It is an amazing subject, the God who loves. But I'm conscious that for some of us in particular, and perhaps all of us, in some ways, to some extent, the very statement that God is loving and kind provokes questions. Maybe even anger. Maybe pain. If God is loving and kind, how come this happened to me? If God is loving and kind, why doesn't he stop that? If God is loving and kind, why didn't he heal? If God is loving and kind, why is all this going on in the world? Where is he? How come? And that's an okay question to ask. In fact, it's an okay question to ask passionately. If you read the book of Psalms in the Bible, you'll see that question asked with passion a lot. Why God? Where are you God? How come, God? It's an okay question to ask. And while there are no simple answers, I don't feel I can talk about the love and the kindness of God without saying something. Now, a lot of cleverer people than me have tried to approach this. I'm just going to share with you some of the things that help me with my questions, and I hope they'll help you too. And I guess I start, really, with a slightly different question. That's it. What is loving and kind? What does that actually mean? Now you might think that's an odd question. Let me try and explain. 
What we think is loving and kind depends on our perspective. Fran and I brought up three boys who are now all married, and we now have seven grandchildren. But I would have to tell you that our three boys during that growing up period didn't believe that every action we took and every decision we make was loving and kind. Don't quote me on this, but I would say if your kids have never told you you're the worst parents in the world, you're probably not doing something right. <laughs> now, as they're grown up and parents themselves, despite our mistakes, they get our heart. They get what it was about. But at the time, they couldn't see it. One of our kids was chasing the other, who fell over, split his eyebrow open, we ended up in the emergency room, and I remember the doctors who wanted to seal up the wound saying, can you hold him down? I can still remember the look in his eyes. <laughs> Why are you doing this? <laughs> Why are you holding me down? They're hurting me. Why are you helping them? From his perspective, it didn't feel loving or kind. But my understanding, my perspective was different. I wanted him to heal up. I wanted it, him to get better. I knew what was really going on. Let me throw another one out to you. Is it loving and kind to give a drug addict all the, all the drugs that they would like? Or is it loving and kind to walk with them, to seek to set them free? And you know, just let me say, we, we, we sang this morning, bring your addictions. Just because we don't inject doesn't mean we're not addicts. You know, we're all addicted to something to some degree. We all look for things to fill that love thirst in our hearts that only God can fill, except that we look in all sorts of places. And so we need people around us who will be loving and kind enough to help us out of those addictions and into the love of God. But it doesn't always appear that they're being loving and kind when they do it. So when I look back over my life, I can see some really difficult periods which I can now see God has used for good. Finite though I am, limited though I am, I can get that. <clears throat> but because we're finite, because our understanding is limited, we get into trouble, don't we? Is it loving and kind to have your beloved pet put to sleep as we recently did? Well, most would probably say, yes, I don't know. But what about when it comes to people? What about the debate that rages around so-called assisted dying? Is that loving? Or kind. You know, different countries, different cultures come to different conclusions. It seems there's no agreement. And I think what that shows us is that while this approach is helpful, it doesn't get us all the way. It doesn't explain all that we see because our understanding and our perceptions run out. And I would be less than honest if I didn't say to you, there are things that I see in our world, there are things that I have talked and walked with people through, and I cannot see any 
it's impossible for me to comprehend how there's any higher purpose. I cannot see it. It's beyond my imagination and capability to come up with an answer. But imagine, if you will, our all-seeing, all-knowing, all-wise God. Is it just possible that he can see a bigger picture still than anything I can comprehend? Is it just possible that he could bring good out of something that is so bad I can't possibly imagine it? Could he? And I'd suggest to you that this is the point where we have to make a choice, where we have to choose to trust or not to trust. Choose to trust beyond what we can see, to take on trust that God is who he says he is, even if I can't work it out. And I think most of my struggles come from when I put my feeble understanding of love next to God's and I try and judge his actions by my less than perfect understanding. So what is loving and kind? Whose definition are we going to use? Mine? Yours? British idea? Ideas from other countries? Thankfully, I think the Bible helps us and tells us very clearly and simply where we can start. It says this in the verse that we read. God is love. Three words, three amazing, simple, earth-shattering words. God is love. It doesn't say God is loving. It doesn't say God does loving things, although both of those things are true. It says God is love. And that makes him different to me and to you. I can love, I can do loving things, but I am not always that. You may have experienced that yourself. If you haven't, just ask Fran. I am not always love. But God is love. It's like Brighton Rock, wherever you break it, it says the same. It's like God, wherever you cut him, will bleed love. He is love, he defines it, he is it. And the Bible, of course, is a love story. It's a story of a God who made everything perfect out of love, who created us to live in friendship with him, and a God who, when we spoiled it all by rebelling against him, loved us enough, not, loved us enough not to give up on us, but to pursue us and to win us back. Now, that's a love story. That's an amazing love story. When I was holding down my son for the medics, he was hurting and confused. And partly I think he was confused because he knew I loved him and he couldn't equate what was going on. How many of us have experienced that in life? We can trust that God is loving. As we've been singing this morning, I want to encourage your heart this morning. Each of us, we can trust that God is loving. I want to encourage you to do that. God is love is a fundamental truth that we can experience here and now to some degree. But it's also an article of faith that we hold on to. Love and kindness 
and what it is need to be seen from an eternal and a God-focused perspective. And when I don't feel it, when my world is falling apart, I need perspective. I need to get the view from heaven down, not the view from earth up. Does it solve our problems? No. It comes down to trust in the end. And don't forget too that as we've already seen in this series, that this loving, kind God is also a God of justice and righteousness. This is not to ignore it. Wickedness will not go unpunished. Cries for justice will be heard by God. Now you may say, well, Jonathan, it's all right for you. You've had quite a nice life. And actually, I'd have to say I've been very blessed. So don't just take my word for it. How about the word of someone who's experienced suffering I, I can't even imagine? Would that carry more weight? I think it does. There was a wonderful follower of Jesus called Corrie Ten Boom, an amazing woman I greatly admire. She and her family risked their lives in World War II to hide Jews from the Nazis, but they were eventually betrayed, sent to a concentration camp where she suffered, watched her father die and her sister just 12 days before she was released. I can't imagine what that was like. And I, can't Im- I can imagine that she could easily have turned away from God. If God is loving and kind, how come? But she turned to God. She did amazing things in the concentration camp. And when she came out, she toured Europe and toured Germany, preaching the mercy and the love of God and reconciliation in Jesus' name. What an amazing, inspirational woman. And she carried round with her a tapestry. You can see the picture of her holding it right there. And she used to give a talk, and and at some point she would stand up and she would hold up the tapestry, and everyone would think, she's got this backwards. Because you could see the back. You can see it's the one on the left. And she would talk about our view in this world is like viewing the back of a tapestry. I get some idea of what's going on there, but what are all these things doing here and there? What is this going this way? What are all these colors doing? And she would then turn the tapestry around and she'd say, but when we see it from the other side, we will understand what God was doing. I think that's an amazing and a helpful image when we face the realities of life. God bless. Well, thank you, Lord, for Corrie Tembum. And we don't just have to take God's word for it because God spoke in actions. Actions speak louder the words than words. And so the Bible gives us a definition, if you like, of what love is. We saw it in the passage that we had. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. God's love caused him to do something. It wasn't a theory. While we were still sinners, that means enemies of God, Christ dies for us. God did something. Love always does something, doesn't it? It gives, and God gave his only son. Jesus is the evidence 
for God is love. Jesus doesn't come explaining suffering. He doesn't do away with suffering. But in some way, he comes as God to enter into our world and the suffering that we experience. He demonstrated God's love in action, didn't he, Jesus? Went around healing, setting people free, telling people the wonderful good news that God loved them. That's what he did. And then, in an unchangeable, undeniable, once forever act of love, he sacrificed himself on our behalf on the cross as we've been singing this morning. Now that may be the thousandth time you've heard that or the first time. Whatever, let's just pause and think about that for a moment. We can actually kind of almost get used to this and miss the amazingness of what God has done. Would you give your life for someone? How far would you go? For your kids? For a partner, maybe? I don't know. I hope I'm never tested in that department. But what about for somebody that can't stand you? Somebody who's your in-your-face enemy? What about that? And yet, as Paul tells us in Romans 5, he explains what God has done. When we were utterly helpless... Christ came at just the right time and died for us, sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though some perhaps might be willing to die for a person who's specially good. But God showed us his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. What an amazing thing that Jesus came when we were against him, when we didn't want to know, as we heard earlier on this morning. The cross, for me, and I hope for you, is a wonderful, unchanging and unchangeable reference point. It stands there. When I feel God doesn't love me, When it seems that God doesn't care, the cross just stands there. It doesn't fade. It doesn't disappear. It doesn't change. What happened at the cross is forever. It's a forever demonstration of God's love and the lengths he will go to to win us back again. I hope that warms your heart this morning. And what's this? Here we have an example of something that is truly, truly bad and awful. The Son of God, betrayed, wrongly accused, tortured, executed by one of the worst means possible in history. And my limited understanding says this. How could anything good come out of something so bad? That's beyond my understanding. And yet, and yet, this God of love and kindness made something so good out of something that was so awful. How amazing is that? If he could do that, what else could he do? 
The cross is the place where we find mercy, forgiveness, freedom. It's the place where a new life beckons and where the way for us to connect with our heavenly Father is open. It was love that caused God to send Jesus. It was love that brought Jesus here. And it was his kindness, his kindness that meant he didn't and he doesn't give up on us. He doesn't stop trying to win us, to woo us, to call us, to seek us out. Again, if we look at Romans, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still enemies. Now, sorry, that's the, that's the next bit. Can I have the next one, please? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Do you appreciate that this morning? Isn't God wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient? He is with me. Does it mean nothing to me? Can't you see that it's his kindness? His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin. What more could he do to persuade us? I don't know, if your questions this morning are a stumbling block to faith, I want to encourage you to consider the facts and perhaps to humble yourself, to accept that there are things we won't understand this side of eternity, this side of the tapestry, and to join us and bring your questions with us as we all seek to follow Jesus. Because you see, the truth is that in the end, love wins. This is a good news love story, not a love tragedy. This is not Shakespeare, this is the Bible. And love wins. Hooray! It does. There will be a day, I promise you, there will be a day where we will see the tapestry from the other side. And we will know that love conquers all in the end. What does that look like? Well, I've already said, God is going to judge wickedness. He will. The price will be paid. And we will know that love conquers. Because John describes for us, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. They'll be his people. God himself will be with them. A lot of focus there on him being with us. See that? He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne says, look, I'm making everything new. Isn't that what any good parent would do with their children? If you're a parent here this morning, haven't you done it hundreds of times? You be with them. You put your arms around them. You wipe away their tears. And you say, it's going to be all right. Now, we are not in a position to make everything new. But he is. He is. He will make it right. That's what God will do for you and for me. But in the meantime, we live in this interim where the kingdom of God is coming but not yet here in full. The kingdom that Jesus came to up usher in and wants us to partner in with bringing, it's not quite here. So we live in this kind of middle ground. 
Understanding that the love of God is seeking us constantly, not just when we come to faith. That his kindness is at work in our lives constantly, causing me to repent and turn away from wandering and turn away from the things I do to the way he does things, to embrace his better ways and to embrace life in all its fullness that he came to bring. A life of getting to know Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A life growing into deeper wholeness and deeper freedom. And love is really important. Paul tells the Corinthian church, actually, you can do all sorts of stuff. You can even give your whole body up to be burned. If you don't have love, you are wasting your time. Love is what is actually all about. And God's love is something that I need constantly, every hour, every day. We were made to connect with God. That's what it's all about. Connection with him is what brings us healing. And we have a part to play in that. If we want to grow spiritually, we have to pursue God's love. Look at this verse here from the little letter of Jude in the New Testament. But you, dear friends, As you build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. That's a great description of what we are supposed to be about, what we're doing. Our spiritual lives, friends, are the most important thing in our lives. Question is, are we making them a priority? Have you noticed the action is on, uh, sorry, the emphasis is on action, upon being intentional in what we do. Build yourselves up. Pray in the Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. That's all down to us. That's an invitation of how we develop in our spiritual walk with God. That's a bit more than having a quiet time, if that's your background. That's a bit more than ticking a box for our spiritual life. I think it's noteworthy right now that in the church, the wider church across the world, I think there's a huge hunger for God that is emerging. People are hungry for God. People are wanting to grow spiritually. They're rediscovering some of the old paths of how we can do that, spiritual disciplines. And I think that move of hungering for God is the very opposite of the spirit that is in this world of lethargy, the hangover of COVID, the lethargy that we have. tiredness that we have and I don't mean a a physical tiredness I'm talking about something spiritual here didn't God speak to us quite recently about it's time to wake up it's time to come out of our slumbers that's a prophetic call are we paying attention are we taking responsibility for our own spiritual lives have you got friends who know you well enough to build you up in your faith? There's a question. Have you? 
If you haven't, I encourage you, find some. If you don't know how to go about that, come and talk to me. I'd love to help. We need to be building one another up in our faith. We need to be speaking truth to one another. Goodness knows, there's a lot of, such a lot of non-truth being spoken to us from all sorts of sides. We need to be speaking to one another that, in a way that builds our faith. We need to be praying in the Spirit. Do I even know what that means? I'm not sure, but I want to be exploring prayer. Exploring prayer that is a meaningful, real, two-way conversation with God. Not just me on a monologue with my list of stuff. I want it to be real. A conversation between friends. Exploring what praying in the Spirit really is. Maybe even fasting. Did I really say that? Yes, do you remember fasting, that sort of thing in the Bible that Jesus did or whatever, one of the most ignored things that we have in our church today? Are we meditating on the Bible, on the Word of God, whether we're reading it, whether we're listening to it, watching it on a video, whatever, but are we doing that for information or for revelation? Not just to analyze it, but to feed from it. Allowing it to impact our hearts and our souls, not just our minds. You know, the Bible tells us that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Oh, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We need information and revelation, not one or the other. We, if you want to put it in different terms, we need to approach the scriptures with our left brain and our right brain, if you're into that sort of stuff. Because God says we should worship God with all of our mind, not just a bit of it. All of it. Are we worshippers? I don't mean what we've done this morning. This is a privilege and a wonderful thing. But you can worship. You don't need YouTube. You don't, you know, they're all good things. But are you worshipping when you go about in the city, in the countryside, in the seashore, in your garden? Are we growing and hearing the whispers of the Holy Spirit in our lives, taking time to be reflective, maybe even using the uncomfortable language of silence, where we get to shut up and God gets to speak? Friends, we are meant to live in the love of God. We're meant to keep ourselves. If you think about it, it's a bit like being pickled, isn't it? Preserve yourself, keep yourself in the love of God. Make sure you get right in and get soaked in it. Keep yourself in the love of God. There's a jar of the love of God. I'm diving in. Because I need to be kept. And I need to be kept constantly. It should be like soaking in a warm bath. It should be a shield that surrounds us. That when the things of life that happen, that buffet us, we've got a shield of the love of God. That's how it's described in the Psalms. The love of God is my shield around me. The reason we pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever thought about that? It's because it isn't yet. A lot of what we see is not God's will done on earth. It's someone else's. And we want to pray and be those who bring the kingdom of God a bit nearer. But that's the time we live in. This is the place where we need to know the love of God in our lives as we await a kingdom that's coming. 
where we will know for sure, we will know for sure, friends, beyond any doubt, that God is loving and kind. Can a band come up, please, as I just draw to a close? Just want to leave you with a couple of thoughts, and I'd like to pray for you. God, I've got to tell you, is the only one who's ever made any sense of my life. Despite the fact that there are huge things I don't understand, he's the only one I've found who made any sense. And one day I will know, even as God knows me now. But right now I don't. For now I live and you live with mystery. And we're not very good at mystery, are we? We like to know. We like to have it all worked out. We like to be in control. And you know, I think sometimes we need to be humble and accept that we don't know. How do you see the tapestry of your life this morning? Are you looking at the back, wondering, what's going on there? What's it going to be like? Well, that's okay. But I encourage you to come to a place this morning of, well, I don't understand, Lord, but I do trust. I'm trusting you. I can't see how this is going to work out, but I'm trusting you. Maybe that's you this morning. I encourage you to come to that place with God. Perhaps for others of us, you know, the song is true. Love changes everything. It really does. It changes everything. And that love is available. The love we were singing about earlier, encountering earlier, that's available here this morning. Healing is available here this morning from the God who wants to heal our souls. It's the equivalent of God holding us like a child and pointing us to heaven and saying, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. I'm here. But we need to be proactive in growing in that knowledge of God. We need to be in a place where we can experience it deeply because our wounds and our brokenness are deep. All of us. And that can happen day by day, week by week as we gather here. And I pray that that does happen. But I'm conscious that some of us get stuck and some of us just can't seem to get past a blockage maybe an experience, maybe all sorts. And I want to just suggest to you as I close a, a couple of ways you might find help. We have a number of things in, in a few weeks' time, and I think later in the autumn, we're going to be starting a Freedom in Christ course. We've got a great team of godly people who are trained and anointed and, and that can be a great way of breaking some of the things that hold us back from experiencing the love of God. We have something called an IAP, an individual appointment for prayer, where again, we have a great team of trained, anointed people who can help you on an individual basis to just come to God and allow Him to break through, to break out, to move you on. And you can just sign up, uh, send an email that you're interested in that. If you go to the connect point after, which is over there, 
They'll give you the email address. Drop us a line. We'd love to help. Or you can talk to any of us. Because God is about making us whole and secure in him. So I'm done. And just before I hand back to Steve and the band to lead us in worship and response, I want to pray for you all using a prayer that Paul prayed. So just open your hearts to God. I pray that Christ will live in your hearts because of your faith. I pray that your life will be strong in love and built on love. I pray that you and all God's holy people will have the power to understand the greatness of Christ's love. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep that love is. Do it, Lord. Christ's love is greater than anyone can ever know, but I pray that you'll be able to know that love. Then you will be filled with everything God has for you. With God's power working in us, he can do much, much more than anything we can ask or think of. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all time, forever and ever. And the people of God said, Amen.